You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 64 of the Apple Insider Podcast, where we talk all about the latest in iPhone, iPad, tvOS, Apple Car, and more. Joining is Mikey Campbell. So, so Mikey. Yes, Victor. You went to Los Angeles this week, didn't you? I did. Where the did Chamber indeed. of Commerce tells you that the climate for business is right. Um, I'd, I'd say so. It was pretty, uh, I was in a commercial district, looked pretty busy. <laughs> Although uh, the big companies are leaving, so uh, yeah. So what brought you off of your island paradise? Um, motor Trend kind of took a stab at realizing an Apple car or at least imagining what it could be. Um, so they invited me down or rather up to kind of critique their concept, talk about what, you know, what, what worked, what didn't work, what we think is going to happen. If anything, right. who knows? Yeah. So I've seen a picture of this thing. Yeah. And, and so this, this was motor trends clickbait and, the the thing that they built was a little tiny model of of a cross between a Toyota Previa egg and a car from Tron. Pretty am I, much. Am I describing that all right? Much. Yeah. Um, it it was gold from the wheel wells up to the belt line, with Apple emblems in the center of the wheel hubs and in the center of the the back deck lid, mm-hmm. with uh, basically a glass um, fishbowl on top. Yeah. So, I mean, the uh, the glass thing um, has seams. I think they I think they were kind of thinking like something like uh, Gorilla Glass or Corning's Automotive Gorilla Glass. Uh, and um, yeah, but I mean, it's just like I mean, it is. It, it looks as if the side of the thing is the whole the whole side of the car basically mm-hmm. is a giant Goldwing door. Yeah. The they kind of designed it. The guy who designed it, uh, Garrett Debray. Um, who actually is an industrial designer at uh, Radio Flyer, which is kind of interesting. Um, he kind of the whole concept kind of revolved around this uh, shared use vehicle. So they're kind of like looking forward to the time when we're all in Minority Report and uh, cars are just zipping us around as right, chauffeurs. There's no need to own a car when a right. car is always available on page, right? So they're kind of looking kind of in like the middle ground between that and personal ownership. So um, like you have like four passengers inside, but they're not necessarily going to be uh, paying attention to or they're not potentially not all of them will be uh, potentially there will be no driver. Mm -hmm. So it will be basically be a four passenger vehicle with no driver. And they kind of built it around that, so kind of easy access, um, a lot of a lot of goodies inside to keep you occupied during your travels. Uh, but what was actually more interesting about the the, the design itself? Yeah, you know, I, I could whatever. It's not personally suited to my taste, and I don't think Apple will build something like that. If they so do, indeed, this, this build was something. an exercise in the same way that we used to get exercises about what an iPhone would look like before there was an iPhone. Kind of. 
as applied to automotive, it is a true concept car. It's uh, not something perhaps um, that's but it's misleading it's to say that it's Apple's concept car, right? It's someone's concept car. Yeah, it's someone's it's concept Garrett's. car of the Apple. Yeah. Well, it is more of a amalgamation of um, a bunch of designers from the art center uh, that kind of kind of discussed what was what the trends are and applied that to a vehicle design. So um, what's more interesting is what's going on on the inside. Uh, and that is basically uh, a fully augmented reality kind of environment, I guess you, you could say. Okay. So what, what's the point of an augmented reality inside? Okay, so you know how currently there are cars. I mean, sorry, one of the, the the first was Cadillac to bring augmented reality into a production vehicle, right? Um, with their heads-up display kind of thing. So this would be more of a true augmented reality system, kind of like the stuff that we see in Apple patents. Um, so for example, like if you look at the windshield, I don't know if you have a, the, a picture of it up, <clears throat> but yep. imagine like a windshield and you're looking out through the windshield and uh, there are overlays for um, basically what the machine sees. So uh, there are boxes around pedestrians. There's uh, hit boxes underneath uh, vehicles driving by. There's a, there's a track, a virtual track that the, the car sees and is following as far as uh, road conditions are concerned. And, a lot of those things um, are, you know, they're, they're current technology kind of stuff. I mean, those things exist, except, you know, we don't, we don't see them in augmented reality. Those things exist on the back end of self-driving cars, like say those uh, made by Tesla and um, uh, to a lesser extent, the work that NVIDIA is doing in that mm -hmm. space. So it's, it's kind of interesting in that concept, but if you expand that and, you know, it, kind of tack on this uh, Apple-y uh, feature set, uh, you can get something like um, like Siri. So you could ask Siri, uh, or Siri would tell you, basically, that when you get in the car, it'll she'll take your weight and be like, oh, it looks like you uh, you gained a few pounds, and but I noticed that you're you know trying to stay on a diet or whatever. It's just, they'll tap into the health app or something like that. And she can make recommendations as to uh, maybe a healthy lunch choice. And while you're driving or while she's driving, uh, you'll drive by like a health food restaurant and the uh, computer will throw that up on the augmented display. So it's highlighted on the windshield as you drive by. So something like that is kind of like, uh, uh, it's just something that's building on the reality around you. A, a true augmented reality system, I guess you'd say. And what's what's the likelihood that something like that will make it into a real Apple vehicle, presuming there is a real Apple vehicle? Um, I mean, they have to differentiate somehow, and there's very few things technically that they can do that would set them apart or disrupt the space, right? I mean, I don't imagine can I, Apple... Can I disagree? Do uh, they have to differentiate themselves at all? Oh, I mean... Uh, I don't think they're going to go into an entirely new they're, industry. And they're, they're Apple. They can simply build 
they can the best most refined do? car that they think but they I can build yeah but i don't think that's something that they're interested in doing why would you do that i mean it, it it's kind of like i don't know i mean maybe if it was something related to one of the businesses that they currently are um competing in you know something related to computers uh but if you if you're if you're committing whatever amount of ungodly sum of money to R&D and all this time, man hours, whatever. I think that there's a certain level of ambition that uh, both internally and externally is expected of Apple. I don't think that you'll see uh, kind of like an Aston Martin knockoff with Apple badging. It just, well, I it, wouldn't say that either, but you know, you, you don't have to load in every single technical advance you can start out you don't have to load in every advance but you need a differentiator you need something to disrupt the the space and tesla's already doing that with let's let's think let's i just want to make my argument a little better than i'm making it so far so the original iphone Mm -hmm. no copy and paste no mms no this no that right it was it was a no app store blah nokia's had app stores nokia's had copy and paste nokia's had uh, MMS, the whole thing, right? And yet the iPhone was a better phone because it focused on doing the few things it was going to do and do them very well. We know that Apple does CarPlay and CarPlay is brilliant. We know that Apple could do the rest of the telematics around the car mm-hmm. very well without doing self-driving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You don't need augmented reality to make a good vehicle. No, no I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're going to use augmented reality. I'm saying that they need a feature or a killer feature as common parlance. I hate that term. But, you know, they they need something that's going to set their product apart and it can't be just design and it can't be just – Yeah, but but this past week I found a photo of Steve Jobs introducing the original iPhone and Mm -hmm. on the keynote behind him it said the phone app is the killer app, (laughs) right? Because it had visual voicemail, which no one had done properly before. Right. So if this is simply the best driving experience. Uh, so you think they're going to go for they're going to go for um they're going to go for like technicality as far as uh they they're, they're going to try to one up the driving experience. Well, it, the driving experience encompasses a lot of things, right? It encompasses seating, it encompasses entertainment, it encompasses the, the but they can't do it, right? they can't do all those things well. There has been no, uh, as far as you know, in my opinion, there hasn't been a car that has ticked all those checked all those boxes. It, but in, inherently, the platforms that we have today either are grand tours or uh, strict performance. You know, on, on right. one and, end, and there are tons of compromises involved in making all of those choices, right? Yeah, and Apple's products also have compromises, right? There are design choices that get made. Mm-hmm. And yet, we seem to be pretty content with the choices they have made. You know, sure, we complain about their products from time to time, but on the whole, you know, you like your Apple products, don't you? Um, yeah, obviously. Right. But this is talking years into, I mean, decade of evolution. I mean, from the time that it was conceived to... Uh, you know, the iPhone 6S, it's years of refinement. What are they going to do to, you know, I mean, they're breaking into a heavy industry. Mm. 
that has been around for well over 100 years. It's the same industry that said that uh, Elon Musk couldn't succeed. Well, I mean, there's a certain amount they, of hubris in They in expected him to splash out in six months. Well, I mean, everybody did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I argue that the same people who are keeping Tesla afloat are the uh, – I mean, the, the people who are keeping Tesla afloat are the same people who uh, were the ones who lined up for the first iPhone. It's the same audience. And it's that same fervor that we're seeing, hmm. right? At a slightly different budget level, yes. Well, I mean, I mean, no, I have not have lined up for a Tesla, but I mean, a lot of them are either moved up in their positions or uh, they were kids when when <laughs> when the iPhone came <laughs> out, right? And now they're now they're software engineers at uh, maybe Apple. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't put my order in for a Model Three, <sighs> mostly because uh, we don't have the infrastructure to support something like that here i mean a lot of people do drive teslas but um you charge at home and then drive where you're gonna be yeah yeah but your islands are also not 200 miles across it's not like you need that range yeah but it's um nice to have it i mean you could get stuck on the north shore that would suck (laughs) after circumventing you know uh driving the circumference of the island how many times well, I mean, North Shore, one way from here to, I mean, is a 40 miles round trip. Yeah, and you've got 200 miles of range. In traffic, though. Oh, I wonder how dear. it does. I wonder how it does in traffic with, uh, like, the air blasting, because I, I know that's how I would drive. I uh, believe that, that that works reasonably well. You know, they've got a giant battery. They're not using it to run the, the high amperage wheels in traffic, so running the AC doesn't take a big hit on it. I'll buy one if it comes there down to price. There you go. So what 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 good came out of this motor trend thing? Because it sounds like a bunch of guys sitting around a table talking about stuff that's impossible without really knowing why they're throwing it in there. Um I think it's important, uh well maybe not important. I mean that's kind of self aggrandizing, but it it's Well, you were there, so obviously it's <laughs> obviously it was important because Absolutely. I have very I'm a very important person no but um I think it it will get I mean in in the tech world the Apple car is a big thing right project Titan is a big a big thing um and mainstream automotive publications kind of touch on it from time to time uh not seriously and I think this could be a jumping off point to start a real dialogue and kind of get it in in the uh the zeitgeist, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, kind of get automotive insiders thinking about it more seriously, perhaps. Um, the way that Motor Trend went about advertising a story, I don't necessarily agree with, but uh, I mean, it kind of hurt. It kind of hurt their case. They, I think, they should have just come out, you know, not done the clickbaity thing. It would have been a much more it would have left a lasting impression, I think, it kind of cheapened the uh, the whole thing. But still, uh, getting a bunch of designers that you know, pretty fairly influential, they work for Fisker and you know Volkswagen and stuff like that. Oh, you mean Fisker that also went under? How dare you! They they made a, <laughs> they flamed out fantastically. They made a beautiful electric vehicle that also caught fire. Yes, well, flamed out, right? Hey, yeah. yeah. Although, if I, I understand that it's possible to buy one fitted with an LS7 Corvette motor. That kind of negates the uh, purpose. 
of it. If you like the look, you can have it one that runs and doesn't catch fire. I guess. I'm sure you could you could probably retrofit uh oh, you probably could take the shell off and just slap it on a Tesla. How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I I am not a fan of Tesla's design. I know everyone you, is You don't like the grillless uh fish mouth? Uh do you remember the scene from uh Matrix where Neo uh, had his mouth covered over? Uh it wasn't covered over, it was just simply not a mouth. Well, I mean an allusion yes. to Harlan Ellison's I have no mouth and I must scream. Yes. Reminds me of that. A lot. See, I think it looks a lot more like a catfish. Yeah. That it's too. like Keanu as a catfish. There you go. Mm, nice. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to mock that up in Photoshop after that. Yes, you are. That's gonna be brilliant. Sad Keanu as a catfish. Yeah. Uh overlaid on top of a uh, model three. Yes. Paint job, perhaps. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but I mean the the whole the the exor- the round table was kind of like an exercise in uh imaginary thinking. It was a it was a brainstorm session. Um uh there's you know there, and after the story came out there's blowback, right? Obviously. Uh, that's totally well, expected. Sure, because it's it's all speculative and it's not even speculative on uh, you know n- none of these other guys were bringing anything remotely like hard facts. You were the only dude who showed up with any kind of information. Well, I think that's probably why they invited myself and um, uh, Tim Stevens along for the ride. Um, We were kind of there to, you know, fact check and add our two cents. It was mostly a design study uh, up to that point, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They started working on this story, you know, months ago, um, going on just rumor. And so they didn't... In essence, they didn't need any of the rumors or speculation that has been out there, right? No, because they just made up their own. Right. So what they did was brought us in and kind of perhaps rounded it out a bit. But the problem with that is that we don't know. You were there to lend them credibility. I suppose. I suppose. That was your point. And if they'd really wanted credibility, they should have brought you in months ago. Yeah. It was a a kind of a last-minute thing. But I mean, still. You you were the token credibility. I I couldn't – I – really couldn't lend anything to the discussion uh, as far as, you know, hard facts go. I mean, it, even we don't have that kind of information. Most likely because it doesn't exist yet, right? As far as design goes. I mean, there's there's a there's a path that they're on, that Apple's on, and that path is filled with a lot of technology, but we don't know exactly what form that will take if well, and when that that you know, product we, comes out. We should have called up Danny Coster. Oh, right. Yeah. Because, I mean, Danny Coster was an influential 20-year member of the mm-hmm. design team, industrial designer, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he designed – what did he design? Um, uh, iMac? He worked on the iMac. He also worked on some of the keyboards. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting what else he'd been working on. But he um, he's at GoPro now. Yeah, he he just left and he took on a VP role at at GoPro. Yeah, I don't know if that was the best decision, but hopefully he can make his their products better. Well, I mean, before the ship sinks completely. Yeah, Go, GoPro is. Um, well, it's interesting, <laughs> right? I mean, they I own feel- the, they own the big space in terms of action cameras, and yet, yeah, but the, is that it's not sustainable, right? Well, there are only so many windsurfers. 
And Nothing against windsurfing, but there are only many, so many windsurfers. How many and of the kite surfers out there are going to go out and buy a new GoPro every year? Dude, have you seen it? I have. The new GoPro? I have. Dude. No, but the, the other problem is that I, in terms of drone cameras, that was the premier drone camera for a long time. But there's no point for that now because the drone manufacturers are just building good cameras on gimbals on their drones already. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well... The important thing is that um, uh, what's the CEO's name? I forget. I always forget his name. Are you thinking of? Oh gosh, um, I can't. I'm blanking. <laughs> I always. I was. I was. You know, the name that came into my head was Richard Howarth, which is not the CEO Ooh. of GoPro. That is a part of the industrial design team at Apple. So, <laughs> go go gadget memory. Anyway, I, I just imagine. I always just picture him at the IPO with a GoPro in his mouth. Well, that's a bizarre, that, that's a really strange image. Nick Woodman with a GoPro in his mouth. Yes, Nick Woodman. Yes. You've mm. seen that image, right? That's no, like, but I'm looking that's for That's the stock right photo now. that just look up Nick. Oh, Woodman. there it is. Oh it's my probably goodness. The first image you'll see. Yeah. That's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I think I'm going to save that and we'll just put it in the podcast article. Sounds good to me. Cause that's kind of scary. Well, I'm going to have nightmares now. Thank you. Welcome. But back to the, uh, what were we talking about for the Apple car? Well, we were talking about how there was no real information to go on. These people made a design study and then brought you in to lend it credibility when in fact there's, there's not a whole lot to go on. Yeah. Brilliant. Did they pay for your lunch? They did. I had some uh, great tacos. It's quite delicious. Cool. But I mean, raining tacos. (sighs) The, the the whole process was I, for me it was interesting because I got to meet you know a bunch of um, you got to leave your house for once. Well, yes, that and uh, designers were uh, in the industry and you know journalists who cover the industry extensively and what they thought was coming is um, you know something that's very different than what the the, the tech people are, are thinking about what's coming, you know, I mean, everyone has their own opinion, uh, but it's interesting to see that, uh, there's a, there's a, like a divergence as far as what will be offered. If Apple car comes out, I'm well, still, I of mean, the a mindset. cell phone company's not going to walk in here and, and, uh, do it right. Are they to paraphrase Ed Colligan? <laughs> uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. They uh, do have enough <laughs> money to buy his company and, uh, well, I mean, his you know, former company and a bunch of other companies combined a couple times over. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who knows how much they're investing? I feel like I feel like Apple is not going to launch a car first. I, it, I feel like they're going to do something akin to the Moto Rocker. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not as disastrous, but something you know, like a partnership first, kind of ease their way in. Well, hasn't that been CarPlay with integration into the the cars built in telematics? But deeper, deeper, uh, more what's, involved. What's deeper than being on CAN bus and talking to all of the in-car computers and the doors and windows and aircon and everything I want else? To see, I was really. Um, I mean, that's pretty deep. Something that I thought would work would be uh, the BMW Life Drive. I know they're you know 
they're not they're not together they're not cooperating but something like the life drive system which is modular or can be modular you have the you know uh, electric drive drivetrain and then you can put your own basically you can slap your own uh, uh, cabin on top of that so i mean apple does the cabin bmw takes care of the drivetrain which they're you know good at well i mean arguably the the i3 is not not so great but they, it's not they a are, pretty car uh well i mean they, there's too much going on inside the car but i mean apple can take care of that right you can use the bmw drivetrain you can do a partnership or uh ink some sort of deal um some sort of ip sharing deal you can you know uh leverage each other's best assets basically and put out a good product and then apple can use that as a stepping stone to perhaps their own vehicle i think that would be a much more logical play than uh you know releasing an apple car just you know out of the blue not only is it a technical probably nightmare but i don't know how they would spin that uh in, in the media how would they make that leap uh, well, sort of a fait accompli, right? You do it, and now you've done it, and you don't have to worry about making the leap. You simply introduced it. I mean, you gotta gotta drum up interest, and you have to. What Apple lacks, obviously, because they're not in the industry, is industry credibility. They don't have that. They don't have the. I argue they don't need it. That, that people love know. their current products well enough that it transfers. It transfers. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who will and, and go Apple out and Apple certainly know buy. about drumming up interest, wouldn't you think? Yes. Yes. But you, you can go, you go out and buy. But, I mean, that, that caps at – it's been capped so far at a certain level uh, financially, right? It's, they're not out there selling $50,000 Anything's no, they're out there selling eight thousand dollar desktop computers. Yeah, aha. Well, that's still not. It's still not still, thirty thousand to fifty thousand dollar vehicles. dollar vehicle. But there's this magic thing, and Apple are well acquainted with it called financing. Yeah, well, that was another interesting um, topic that came up. I don't know if they made it to the uh, to the roundtable, uh, but it's this idea that. Leasing uh, cars will become much more prevalent in a future in which autonomous vehicles reign. Yeah, it's it's a terrible idea traditionally because you end up paying for the depreciation. Yes. But the upside has always been by the time the car starts to fall apart, it's not your problem. Right. Uh, and it, and in as far as obsolescence goes, it happens the, – the cycle is much – much more aggressive when it comes to software, right? Well, that's why car development cycles have been basically 10 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, five years with a refresh, more or less. You know, you, you don't uh, you do not do like you did in the, the early days of automobiles where you had a whole new vehicle every year. Actually, right. well, I make a mistake. Model T went for 20 years unchanged. Volkswagen Beetle went for almost 70 years unchanged, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not the it's not the half year um, cycles that Ford was on the Mustang. Well, the only the first year was a half year cycle, sixty four and a but half to sixty five, so sixty five to sixty six, sixty seven, sixty eight. It was yearly after that. Mm-hmm. 
But that car was pretty much unchanged from its introduction in 64 and a half until 68 when it got to become fat. How dare you? The 68 fat Mustang. It totally, they, they ruined the proportions in every way. And then they did it again for the 70s with the Mach 1, although that was kind of bitching. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they had to keep up with the other pony cars. <sighs> Are you suggesting they had to keep up with the bitching Camaro? Um, yeah. Although at Ford, they were probably trying to keep up with the Corvette. Different? No, the pony. The Corvette was never a pony car. Yeah, I know, but I mean, inside Ford, I'm sure that is what they were shooting for. All right, let's let's move on a little bit. So, first of all, Director Comey, because we're going to talk about the FBI briefly here. Director Comey says that the emotion surrounding Apple case is unproductive, and that what they really need is a legislative solution. He's of course alluding to the. Feinstein Burr Act that is going to compel anyone to both design their stuff to be less secure and help the FBI open it up on demand, no matter how hard it is. So for me, this is more Director Comey being hypocritical without even realizing it, right? Because he's saying the emotion is the problem. And yet during the the whole actively public kerfuffle, at every turn, he was being emotional about it. Well, beloved director Comey uh, often puts his foot in his mouth. But I think on this point, um, it seems like he's seeding or he's admitting that Apple was perhaps correct in that um, this issue cannot be solved in the constraints of a courtroom, which is what Tim Cook argued this whole time, right? And from the beginning, he said there needs to be legislative debate on this, et cetera, et cetera. And and Comey hasn't – he hasn't really – he didn't allude to the the Feinstein-Burr proposed act. Mm. Um, He wasn't referring to that. He was just discussing the case in general and basically saying that it was a nightmare for him um, as, as one would think trying to wage a PR battle against the world's most powerful and uh, influential PR apparatus. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's tough well, to go up against you know, something like they, that. They, uh, and they obviously pulled the, the heartstrings, right? Uh, they they to, start, not to they, not, they waited for a case with strong emotional pull. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to, and they, and then started deployed. talking about emotions after dropping the case before the law proceeded. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's uh, he's just kind of looking back. I mean, I don't fault him for saying that. It's um, it's true. The emotions surrounding the case were very detrimental to the uh, FBI's efforts. Um, I wonder if I don't he was if... really prepared for that to have happened. He kind of thought they'd walk in and get everything they wanted. I think he thought the emotions would go the other way, or there would be more emotional support. Hmm you know, towards uh, securing or protecting the public against uh, a threat of terror. Well, we're, we're going to get the opportunity to talk about this again. Yeah. Because, because, can you tell me why? Uh, Do you know? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Bruce Sewell, Apple's uh, legal counsel, is going to do an encore at in a congressional hearing next week. Although he's not facing off against um, – uh, Comey's not going to be there. It's going to be one of his underlings. But that should be interesting. Uh, Matt Blaze is going to be there. 
So it's it's basically going to be the same argument. It's going to be the push for government access to data and consumer devices in the name of public safety. Mm-hmm. And Matt Blaze is going to be there. Amit Yoran is going to be there. And, and it's going to be security guys pushing for stronger encryption for public safety. Yes. Now, my question, this is in front of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, uh, no, this is going to be energy. This is energy? Energy and commerce. Yeah, last uh, the last one was uh, judiciary. Okay, so who's on energy and commerce? Um, I don't know who the chair is. It's uh, I don't know. It's a uh, let's see. Let me check real quick so I don't something. meet the chairman Fred Upton from Michigan. Deciphering the debate over encryption, and the vice chairman is Marsha Blackburn. So not the heavy hitters that we saw with the judiciary, but I'm important nonetheless. Well, elected. Yeah. Does that mean anything anymore? No. Okay. You're not feeling the burn? Oh, dear. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking through the, the list of members of the Energy and Commerce Committee just to see uh, if any of my representatives are in fact on it. And it looks as if I have two. I don't think I have any. Yeah, but your state was the last to join the union anyway. How dare you? Like that. That's exactly how I dare. Um. Now, speaking of this, Microsoft is suing the Department of Justice mm. for the right to tell customers about data searches. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the things that happens when you uh, you you are a company is that you can be hit with a request for a search right or or actually a search order right a warrant yeah. and it can be an NSL a national security letter in which case you are gagged from telling anyone at all about it there are other gag orders also but the the idea is that the gag order can be imposed when courts have quote unquote reason to believe that alerting someone would risk the investigation yep. and Microsoft's case is that this is weak, that, that gags are requested and won all the time when there's no legitimate need for them. And that the company should have a First Amendment right to tell people about searches as soon as secrecy is not essential. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that, that some companies have been doing uh, ha- has been to do what's called a warrant canary, right? Do and tell. Oh, well, a warrant canary is a thing where you post on your website, we have not received any national security letters or we have not received any gag orders, right? And what do they do when they receive them? Upon receiving a gag order, they delete that line. And that is the warrant canary, right? Because the deletion is not telling people that they have received one, but it's also not not telling people that they've received one. Right. And – the most recent example that I know of is a couple of weeks ago, Reddit updated their page and killed the warrant canary. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. The problem is that you don't know anything more than there's something, right? You don't know when because it's 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 not for sure that the canary was updated in any kind of close time proximity to when the actual gag was issued. Right. You know, you just don't know. 
But the other problem is that with, with a lot of these kinds of gag orders is that some of them have no expiration date. So should a company be compelled to keep a secret forever? No, no, they, they shouldn't. I mean, they shouldn't, but um, yeah, I mean, it's what, what is Microsoft's, I mean, aside from transparency is, is Microsoft trying to achieve? Uh, well, there's a couple of different things. One of them is they don't want to have to be gagged from anything forever because that's uh, obnoxious. Right. Right. These things should all expire at some point and it should be at some point reasonable. The other thing is that they want to be seen as, as being for the, uh, you know, their, their customers. Right. And, the government's tactics undermine confidence, the privacy of the cloud, and impair Microsoft's right to be transparent with its customers. They say, particularly at the corporate level, where you know, if if th- this is a real thing, so what happens is there are a lot of European companies that are scared of doing business with com- companies in the United States because, first of all, the EU has different and in some cases stronger privacy laws, and so if the American company uh, doesn't comply with those laws uh, because the U.S. government is pushing them around, then those EU companies feel that they can't trust American companies with their consumers' data. Or that even if they don't have their consumer data in anywhere touching an American system, that their EU consumers will not trust the EU company because the EU company is related to or, or doing business in partnership with an American company. And so this is damaging Microsoft's ability to do business. What do you think about what do you think about an international oversight body that just lays down the rule for everybody? Uh, well, we have something like that in terms of treaties. Yeah, we no, have, I mean like a, I mean like an active, active body, like a United Nations, kind of like an OPEC for uh, <laughs> an OPEC, but for for but the corrupt. digital age. <laughs> well, yes, and that. Although, that, well, there's the difficult. first problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but I think it's better than what we have now, right? I mean, obviously, I'm not China's, sure. China's not going to take part, or they will, but will won't, you know, follow the rules. So there, there are a bunch of different problems, right? Um, one of them is is the idea of corruption as a problem. The other is the idea of collusion to corporate interests, where all of the copyright laws and everything else get worse because, you know, cause something currently getting worse through treaties. But if there's this oversight board over uh, technology and, and privacy and internet, that would also be impacted. Um, I, I have the feeling, and, and this is something that's probably already lost, but the internet succeeds when it is, subject to to very little regulation now obviously that doesn't work for things like harassment and other thing you know some of these these other problems that we have within the internet but in terms of its adoption and growth and and um and and proliferation uh if there was an oversight board then we would not have had the success and and the internet would not be what it is today right Right. Yeah. And so imposing one of those is, is going to both impede and or roll back. Mm. Yes, indeed. Does that sound like fun? Uh, as long as I can get my cat videos on YouTube, I'll be fine. 
Yeah. See, your cat videos will be subject to licensing and, and will be not available in your region. Well, then I disagree wholeheartedly. You know, it's, it's, it's a classic uh, Pinky and the Brain problem. What are you going to do tonight, Pinky? You know, what, what are we going to do tonight, Brain? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try and watch the cat videos. <laughs> not available in our region. I mean, it's, 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 it's a problem. And imposing oversight from, from, you know, Brussels, for example, Brussels is, is, you know, why it, well, it's the classic question, right? DNS, you know, DNS is maintained by uh, a group in the United States. And every few years, there are movements to take it over and make it an international oversight kind of thing. And, and the first question is, why should the United States have ownership over DNS? Well, the government currently doesn't, right? It's a it's a private group, nonprofit. Um, but it's it's a valid question for these other countries. But as soon as you make it a governmental thing, as opposed to a a voluntary consortium kind of thing, uh, trust me, it's going to get broken worse. What do we do? Um, try and make things as decentralized as possible. Mm. You know, that's the, difficult. The Very over, difficult. Well, you say that, but that's one of the things about the internet is that, you know, with the exception of of some things like DNS, oh, you know, DNS is replaceable if we had to. Um, the decentralization is what allows it to flourish. But are the companies who are beholden to those established protocols going to be receptive to such change? Doesn't matter. Doesn't it? No, it really doesn't. Um, it's it's a network effect. You're going you know, to open source everything? No, not necessarily. But but think about it, right? The the for a long time the kids went to Facebook and then the kids went to Snapchat. Well, if if all of your popular stuff requires you to set your DNS settings at uh, at your network settings one time away from whatever your provider is to a different DNS server, and then you can get to the sites you want to go to, the kids will do it. The kids, man. You know, you, you, you can route around, this is the, the famous Esther Dyson quote, right? The internet routes around the damage. At least I think that's Esther Dyson. Um, you, 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 because all of these things are replaceable or modular elements, it's, it's entirely possible to stay decentralized. And that, that should be increased. Right now, I think one of the things that we've noticed is that attempts at centralizing uh, in, increase vulnerability. You know, we noticed this last year or so when Netflix went down because Amazon Web Services went down. When AWS died, half the internet went offline. You remember that part? Yep. Yeah. I was there. You were you you were there and you were sitting there pointing your remote at your Apple TV trying to get Netflix and you couldn't. I don't know if I had Netflix on my Apple TV at that time. Cat videos. You couldn't right. watch the cat videos. Yeah. And this is what we've arrived at, and that's that's why when Apple builds its own data centers and when Apple moves half of its stuff to Google away from Amazon, it's decentralizing. Now, it's not amazing decentralization because you know you need to have enough to to move. You know, you need to have a a place to move to that can handle it. But um, the, the internet the internet is more resilient when it is not centralized and when it's not centrally controlled, and that creates all kinds of problems for different legalities. Right? The the whether things France says about uh, their sorts of free speech laws, what EU has to say about delisting people out of search engines, it's complex. But decentralization is the path to a robust internet. So technology has changed the way we run. Do you run, Mikey? Sure. Are you physically fit? 
No. You were wearing that super cool Aloha shirt the other day. It's true. So you were wearing that Aloha shirt right before your run. Now, when smartphones, you know, they, they allow casual runners wearing Aloha shirts like yourself to map their runs, create running playlists, and track their progress. But, but you know the problem, right? Taking advantage of these technologies has always meant stopping and looking at your phone, right? Mm. So you're jogging along, and you have to pull out your phone. It breaks everything, right? You lose motion, yeah. you lose momentum. I'm going to tell you, Mikey, you're going to like this. Mara is a hands-free running assistant that uses voice recognition and the microphone in your earbuds to optimize your runs. Sounds interesting. She's hands-free. You talk to her using your earbuds. She uses voice commands. You tell her what kind of run you'd like to do. You ask her questions about your speed, pace, location, duration, the weather. And you have her play albums and playlists from your music library. Yeah, I really don't like taking my phone out of my pocket. I know. Uh, I know. Plus, I might drop it. So you're running along, you're wearing your Aloha shirt, you're on the North Shore. Mara can speak first. She can tell you how you're doing, she can compare your past runs and records, and she'll warn you about changes in the weather, which of course you never have out there. Right. Well, it might get hotter. Ah. So she'll warn you, right? You know, it's 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 the the example I have here is if it's about to rain, because we had epic rainstorms here in my area last week. But you know, for, for, for you, she'll warn you if it's about to get hotter and she tracks your progress. She tracks your runs, she tracks your rough legs and she recognizes what you've accomplished. Nice. So I invite you, Mikey, I invite you and our listeners to visit mara.ai. That's M-A-R-A.ai, and download your free virtual running assistant on your iPhone. And it's coming soon to Amazon Echo. How on earth you're going to run with an Amazon Echo is beyond me. I really don't know, but run with the sidekick, make every mile count. Nice. As we going to talk about um, the Apple Watch upgrade. Well, tell me about the Apple Watch upgrade. First of all, let me ask you this. Are you wearing your Apple Watch? Uh, not right now. Did you wear it today? Uh, I did not because I got up and I went straight to work. Okay. Did you wear it yesterday? I'm trying to I did. work with me here, Mikey. Have you worn your Apple Watch? Yeah. I, well, I wore it on the um, I, I wore it on my trip. Definitely, and probably filled my rings for the first time in uh, months. <laughs> yeah, so lo- lots of walking around in LA. The uh, the Apple Watch, you know, the 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 version two is it interesting. Tell me what's going to happen in version two. Uh well, it's kind of uh, what some people or some analysts were thinking is going to be supposedly, according to Ming Chi Kuo, who uh, our readers adore. They really don't like him. I don't know why. But, They're um, dedicated fans. They are. They, they are. are. Yes. Uh, so Quo believes that it's going to be a S upgrade. So there's going to be some internal buffs of which he does not uh, detail in any in any way, shape, or form. But he said that it's going to be mostly internal stuff and um, very few external aesthetic changes, if any, which is fine by me, really. You like the look. Um, I'm more, I'm more, uh, interested in getting better connectivity and better, uh, battery life and also a bit more power so I can run standalone apps without waiting for them to tether. That'd be great. So, I mean, if they can do that, which I don't know, somehow. And it looks as if, tell me if I'm, if I've got this right. It looks as if suppliers have begun to receive component orders. Yes, I believe. Uh, oh, who the the uh, system in? Uh, let's see, 
I'll tell you. That. I'll tell you. That's so, today, right? oh, semiconductor engineering, advanced semiconductor engineering in Samsung, along with Amcor, Stats, Chippack, and Kinsys Internet Connect. Okay. ASC is the primary supply of SIP modules for the S2 chip. Yeah. I wonder how that's going to be different. Hmm. Well, the processor fab and NAND storage both come from Samsung. Right. And the Amcor and Stats chip pack are, are secondary providers. So ASC is the primary supplier of the SIP module. I wonder what they're going to do for the uh, for the new package. Could That's be interesting. Good question. Could be interesting. Heard some rumblings about Qualcomm. Oh, yeah? What did you hear about Qualcomm? I don't know. Things that perhaps might uh, suggest the Apple Watch will get uh, cellular connectivity. You know, I had this with Neil. We talked about this a while ago, he and I. Uh, in the mid-February, Neil and I were talking about it, and I was telling him that in the fall that I thought it was going to have a, uh, a virtual SIM in it. And at, at the time, you know, he, I had said to him, he said, you're nuts, it will not. And I said, no, it should. And he goes, well, maybe virtual SIM. But he, he thought for sure I was nuts that it was going to gain cellular connectivity because it would just crush battery life in his perspective. Mm. I mean, they don't have to, they, it doesn't have to be totally dedicated to cellular Right, it's not doesn't have to be like an iPhone, and it's that's what Qualcomm is now. Whether or not that means just data or phone is is never mind. Having a modem and a virtual SIM in there is cellular, right? But it doesn't right. have to be. Um, it doesn't need to be connected one hundred percent of the time, always on. It could it could uh, pull and sleep, right? I it, doesn't Qualcomm have a, a new tech out that um, does that intelligently? Uh, you know, I forget. I believe I think I read something about that recently. Yeah, but that would be a uh, definite, definite bonus. When, although I don't know, and I, and it would mean that I would win the bet with Neil, which would be awesome. Oh, true. Is he going to buy you an Apple Watch? Too? Oh, I wish. I don't think we S. agreed to that. <laughs> Apple Watch S. I don't think we agreed to that. It'd be interesting, though. Um, my my girlfriend is. Uh, I bought her an Apple Watch, and she, I she. I guess she kind of likes it, uh, but it's the there. It's just too limited. Well, it's, the things that it does and doesn't do is just too, it doesn't suit her needs. It's not just that. It's it's also that none of these things. It's not just the Apple Watch. It's it's none of these things, and and none of the fitness bracelets are designed with fashion in mind, right? None of these things are are elegant. None of these the things are very. Are very feminine, you know. They're a freaking silicone band, right? Silicone band with a green OLED display. No one actually wants to wear that, especially if you're trying to look elegant in anything else you do. You know, if you're wearing heels and a dress and going to work and looking professional, if you're wearing a business suit, your rubber fitness bracelet is is out of touch. It doesn't work. It's gross. Isn't it kind of like a badge of honor now, though? No. Like you have one, so you're, you're no, totally No, it's fit. totally not. How dare you? It's ridiculous. How dare you? It means that you care it about your It means nothing. Health. It does not. It does. It means you're out of touch with, your, your, with, with self-image and that that rubber thing is tasteless and you should throw it away. I do like the rubber, uh, the floral elastomer band on my Apple Watch. Though. The sport band is very comfortable. It is. It is nice and comfortable. However, it is not necessarily, and I'm going to get flack for this, but it's not necessarily fashionable, right? It doesn't necessarily fit with a high-end look. 
It doesn't well, fit the I mean, professional yeah. look. If you're wearing it with a suit, it doesn't match. No. But if you're wearing it with a gray and white Aloha shirt, say at a Motortron round table, I think it and, works And mom well. jeans. If you're wearing mom jeans with that Aloha shirt. Those were not mom jeans. How dare you, sir? <laughs> they were, How dare they you? They were light stonewashed mom jeans. Those were fashionable Italian designer jeans. In 1984. How dare you? They they were stone or acid washed, stone and or acid washed. They were, they were ridiculous. They, they were, were distressed, absurd. Uh, I didn't jeans. know that they were. I didn't know they were going to do below the table shots. Okay, I thought it was all going to be. <laughs> and for that, I'm thankful you were wearing trousers. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, the yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you go Apple Watch, I don't know if I would buy one though. Even if it is updated, I'm not sure I would buy one. Well, you're waiting for the 2017 version that's going to be 40 percent uh, tall. Right. You want, you want that I, almost half as tall one, don't you? Um, is it going to come with concessions like shorter battery life? Because I'm not down for that. Probably not. It would be rare <sighs> to go backwards on something like that. Apple has done it in the past. Mm. Rarely, but it has done it. Yeah. Did you, I, I got to ask you, have you ever dropped your iPhone? Yes. Have you ever broken a screen? No. You never chipped the glass? Nope. Really? Never. I'll be darned. I've dropped my iPhone many times and never has the glass broken. Huh. I have dents. I have dents in some iPhones, like the corner. I guess I'm just lucky how it fell. Yeah. yeah. It never fell flat on the screen. Or, huh. oh, I believe, uh, no, I did drop my iPhone 6. Yeah, it must be iPhone 6. It that hit the ground screen first, but didn't crack. Ah. I, uh, I have chipped the glass on an iPhone four years ago and my, my wife's iPhone five has a nice chip in it. Oh my. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's this company that's sponsoring us this week called I called I cracked and I cracked provides iPhone and iPad repair services that actually come to you. How so? Well, so what happens is that they they will send a repair person at the time and location of your choosing to your home, your office, your coffee shop, whatever, and they work around your schedule. They have 5,000 on-demand phone repair technicians in over 600 cities in the U.S., and they're all trained and background checked. So you know, instead of having to go to the mall and find the mall shop and have them take it, and you know, you sort of trust that they're going to do it right. These people no, come. I don't. I, don't at, I do not trust them. I'm I'm aware of that, and I'm not disagreeing. So, how cool is it that you you ring up iCracked right, and you meet them with your broken phone at a coffee shop, and they fix your phone in front of you? That is truly convenient. I'm saying, right? So, you know the the. <sighs> The idea is that they do quality work. They're fast because obviously if you're meeting in a coffee shop, you can't hang around for three hours. And they stand behind the repair. Every repair comes with a lifetime warranty. So if you have a broken iPhone, go to iCracked.com for the best, most convenient, and reliable phone repair. And they've got a special offer for our listeners, obviously, in the U.S., right? Listeners can get a free tempered glass screen protector with your on-demand repair. So if you go to repair. If you, if you request your repair at iCracked.com slash insider, 
that's iCracked.com slash insider, then you will also get a free tempered glass screen protector with your on-demand repair. That would come in handy when I, uh, <laughs> I did, um, try to install a, uh, what was it? I think it was one, like it was, a uh, what was it? It was like an led, um, uh, kind of backlight thing in one of my, I think it was a four iPhone four. Yeah. And I shorted out the screen. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Mikey, the fumble fingers uh, tech repair person. Yeah, that was, uh, that was ill-advised on my part. Luckily, uh, I had a 4S, so, but still. I've, I've repaired the, the first generation, the 3, 3GS, the, uh, the fourth generation, and one of the fifth generation, but I, I will not touch a 5S or a 6 or a 6S. The 4 um, was quite easy, actually, to take yeah. part. It was good. The first generation was annoying. True sandwich. Because just yeah, trying to shell. get the, yeah. the back off of it was a nightmare. Yeah, lots of didn't it have a lot of uh, adhesive and stuff? Um, no, it didn't have a whole the, lot of uh, adhesive. No, it was it was just that it was so tightly packed in the aluminum back that it was ridiculous. Now, an iPad is a nightmare. An iPad has adhesive everywhere. Yes, I I had to replace my iPad screen. Or no, yeah, my iPad screen on the original iPad. So when I asked if you'd broken a screen, why didn't you say that? Well, because it didn't. I didn't break it. It just died. Ugh. Yeah. trying to replace that screen. I would hate to be in a coffee shop with someone digging broken glass out of an iPad screen. That would just be a recipe for, sir, you're causing a disturbance. Uh, one, one time, Mikey, one time, I would like to be out in public and have someone call me, sir, without it being followed by, you're causing a disturbance. Just once. <laughs> sir, we're going to have to ask you to leave. I'm sorry. Darn, it's every time. Please, please put your pants back on, sir. Please. <laughs> Please put the You're mom jeans the back children. on. Again with the mom jeans. Wow. And on that note. Well, on that note, what we have one more story. We do? What's you don't that? want to have one more story? Um, do we have another story? I don't see anything interesting. The last thing I want to know about is I want to know about the iPhone from 2017. Mm-hmm. Show me the future. You mean 2016? I, I want to know about both of them. The 2017 one is the cool one with the AMOLED display, right? Well, I mean, that's what Ming-Chi says. So, um, obvious, uh, this year, going to get a redesign, probably, if unless Apple chooses, for some reason, to uh, break its streak. Well, I mean, if Apple says that the iPhone 6 shape is the mm-hmm. perfect shape for an iPhone, then we'll Did get the same that? one. No, they haven't. I'm just saying speculatively, that would be the reason to continue making it is because it is the perfect ideal for what the shape should be. I don't think it is, though. In which case, we're going to get a new one. Woohoo! Yep. So, apparently, the, the a, a part leaked, which looks suspiciously like a uh, identical to another um, chassis that leaked a few months ago uh, with a dual camera eyesight system on back and what looks to be a smart connector on the bottom. Okay. So, so let me, let me give the rundown here, right? So far we think for sure it's September. Yes. We think there's no camera bump or antenna lines. Uh, Minimal antenna lines. Unclear about the camera bump. We think there's an A10 chip with two gig of Ram. Yes. Why two gig? 
Just because it's better than one. Uh, but it's it's worse than four. Right. But I mean, you know, this. It's a, there's got to be some give and take. Costs are involved. Phooey. 1664, 128 gig capacities. Yes. Uh, kind of questionable in 16 because it's becoming... Show me the 64, 128, and 256 lineup. Yeah, that'd be nice. Although that, you know, uh, 256. What? Did, what? Say it. Well, the uh, the iPad Pro 9.7. Just uh-huh. saying. We know Still, the chip's uh, there. Put it in my phone. Yeah. Put it in my phone. Mm. Starting from $199 on contract or $649 off. Is is that a change from the current, or is that the same pricing? I believe it's the same. Okay, so that's nothing wildly different. So what's it made out of? Is it a new case material? Uh, I believe they're going to go with uh, the uh, 7000 series aluminum. Uh, it looks at, like uh, they're going with catcher technology again, so they're well-versed in fabbing that those pretty me, pretty aluminum. okay what, what about the idea of water resistance right because I've, I've dropped the phone i've actually dropped the phone in water uh, i dropped my original iphone in water and i dropped my iphone 4 in water mm. so tell me about water resistance because that would be kind of cool well they're not sure on that the rumors are it's kind of split 50 50 uh, as to whether or not it's going to be water resistant the apple um, watch is water resistant yeah. why not um that's a good question. I don't know. Probably because they don't want you taking it in the water to uh, to take pictures. Because once you hear it's water resistant, you're going to test those features. And as long as they don't advertise it as water resistant, then yeah. Well, I mean, the current S and um, the SE have these silicone seals around certain components on the logic board, but not all, hmm. which is interesting. So it may or may not be for waterproofing purposes. Um, but if it is waterproof, or not waterproof, but water resistant, I assume that it would, they would build it in with um, either a, uh, a gasket system or just how they're doing it now is uh, setting off vital components uh, with uh, individual seals. So, I mean, you don't have to replace everything on your... You know, you have to you don't have to gut your phone or just replace it completely. You can swap out some some key or non essential parts, and you'll be good to go. Yeah. What about the headphone jack? Still unclear on that. Everyone. Do you, do is, you use the headphone jack currently? I do. Really? Yeah. What for? Headphones. When? Um, I use it to. I use it like when I'm running or when um, just listening to music or podcasts or stuff. Um, I've tried, I mean, Bluetooth headphones are, are nice and some of them sound pretty good, but I hate batteries and I hate charging things. So like it always watch. turns out. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a bane of my existence. I uh, usually find myself having headphones that are out of juice Mm-hmm. So I've just resorted to the wired and it's fine. Right. Have you, have you used lightning headphones? Have you gotten any? Nope. Really? Nope. I have. Really? What? You, the Philips? I, I have the Philips. Nice. What's wrong with you? Uh, I can't afford stuff. I can't afford those luxuries. Okay. <sighs> Mikey. 
You live in the lap of paradise. You live on the That's island of luxury. That's why I can't afford anything. That's why I can't afford anything. <laughs> but yeah, so it's either going to be Bluetooth or, or some sort of wireless or lightning. Yeah. So the, the, the thing with lightning is that it does drain your battery a little bit. It's, it's not really perceptible, but, but they're running power out of the lightning connector to the headphones. They, uh, but the Philips one has an off-board DAC, right? Yes, it does. So, I mean, if, if uh, Apple doesn't build a DAC into their ear pods, they might not, they might not suck too much juice. As I recall, the lightning connector does not have an analog audio on it. Oh, that's right. Although they could uh, build – don't they have a spec to build um, – But they could put the DAC in the headphone yeah, cable could, yeah, for the ear could, pods, yeah, you know, yeah. right at the lightning connector. Right. So they could do that and that would be minimal power consumption, just some parasitic loss, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really see that being the uh, bottleneck – I think the bottleneck is that people are going to be kind of upset that their headphone collections are well. You'll have to useless. find an adapter or buy an adapter. But the the other problem is that all of your headphones suddenly got more expensive when you buy new headphones. Yeah, because now they have smarts in them. Do they though? Well, if are you're buying really Lightning, smarter? you have the chip that tells the little ARM processor in the Lightning connector that tells the phone what the I'm thing legit. is. I'm legit, bro. And then you also have a DAC, also, right? You also have a DAC in addition to the to the uh, ARM chip. So now you've got two chips running there in your, in your connector. That's a cost. I wonder, if, I wonder if Apple is kind of hesitant to release a Bluetooth headset after the horrific failure of their first one, their headset headset, not headphones. Well, that thing was a beautiful design. Okay, and. It was functionally beautiful too because you you docked it in the bottom of a thirty pin connector, right? To synchronize it, you didn't have to yeah. pair it through some obscure Bluetooth pairing nonsense. You simply connected it to your phone, and it worked. What, what happened to it though? Uh, they killed it because, as we all know, no one looks cool wearing a Bluetooth headset. Exactly. Not so even gonna... not even Brad Pitt makes that stuff look good. Mm. Not even Ryan Reynolds can pull that Ooh. off. I feel like maybe they're uh, they're pushing, you know, um, the Beats line, their Beats product, uh, Lightning and Bluetooth there, and maybe they'll give it another year or two, or maybe even another complete design two year two year design cycle before they actually ditch the. Mm. 3.5 millimeter jack. I kind of doubt it because they've signaled they were going to do this for a year now. The, did they, we're, we're, uh, we're at a year and a half. We're look, at a year look, and the half Phillips since, no, the and JBL first showed January in 2015. They signaled it the summer prior to CES. So they signaled it a full two years ago. We first saw the real lightning headphones a year and a half ago. They've been yes, around we, that we long. Still, we still They're haven't not prevalent, had an official but the signaling Apple has offering. been there. We haven't had an official Apple offering. Who and cares? I, I, I would, I would uh, hazard a guess that Lightning headphones are still a rarity. When it comes I, to they, they certainly are, but the, the, the signaling has been there, and we'll get a real Apple when, when they pull the trigger on this, just as we got real Apple cases years after everyone else made cases for iPhones. I don't know if they're. I don't know if it's a good idea. We got an to, Apple uh, battery case years after everyone else made battery cases for iPhones. The only the only reason I can see that Apple would do this is because Johnny Ive wants to make the seven 
even thinner and more symmetrical. I don't, yeah, I guess. But what I five holes the, on one side, one hole, and two, you know, headphone. It, you you can make it symmetric now. Is he going to put the camera in the center of the phone as well, like the dead center of the back of the phone? The dead center of the back of the phone was the iPod Touch uh, third gen that never happened. But if you took the cover off, there was a big gaping hole in the center where the camera was supposed to have gone. It's good stuff. You remember that? Yeah. That was a nightmare. All the case manufacturers for iPod 3G, for iPod Touch at that time, had camera holes in their cases. Freaking nightmare. I don't know. I I just don't know if it's a good move to delete it completely on this... uh... Well, this upcoming one. the, the usual things will happen. People will, will fuss and people will fight and then they'll get over it. Oh, you'll like it. Well, no, you'll just like get it, over right. it. But the, it's, it's a valid question is who's using their headphones? Uh, and the answer is I, some people, but you know. Well, what, what, what are you suggesting that people don't use their headphones at all? I, you listen in the car through your car stereo, you use airplay. There, there are a number of reasons why you don't need headphones. I think people still want to listen to their own personal experience though. Right. Hmm. I mean, at least around here, I always see people just like with headphones. Yeah. 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 I don't know. We'll see. Interesting thing is that next year, um, they might introduce, uh, the AMOLED with a curved or slightly bowed display and a new form factor, which would be, weird for them because they don't do one year design refreshes. So it's either going to be the seven right this year. It's going to be seven and seven S this year. I mean, seven and seven plus this year, the next year it could be seven S seven S plus and like another model S plus plus or whatever. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I, but, uh, they, they want to get in on that AMOLED uh, action. So tell tell us tell us what is the benefit of AMOLED? Why why do people want them? Uh, power saving is a big one. You in, instead of powering an entire backlight array, you can power individual pixels. So that means if you have a, well, I mean, you you only see it if your UI is largely or a majority of it is black. That means those pixels are powered down. So you'll see a bump in battery life. So that's one. Second, higher saturation. Third, it's much more, it's a literally flexible design. So you can uh, do all kinds of crazy stuff with it, like edge to edge displays and the gimmicky S7 edge bent corner or bent edge display. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to an edge to edge display. That'd be great. Cool. Thank you for that. Hmm. Well, this has been the Apple Insider Podcast, and we're recording on Thursday, April 14th. And if Mikey wears an Aloha shirt and mom Mm. jeans while going running Mm. in search of an Apple car, we'll tell you all about it next week on the Apple Insider Podcast. And I want to thank again iCracked.com for sponsoring today's episode. Think of iCracked as sort of an Uber meets iPhone repair. They work around your schedule, and they travel to you to repair your broken phone on the spot in 30 minutes or less. And your on-demand repair is backed by a lifetime warranty. So whether your repair is for an iPhone or an iPad, iCrack.com's technicians are fast and professional, and they handle business accounts too. Have them come to you and repair your phone. And for a limited time, listeners get a free tempered glass screen protector with your on-demand repair. Request your repair at iCrack.com insider. 
That's iCracked.com slash insider.